Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. Uh, welcome to the first episode of You Only Live Twice. Alhamdulillah, uh, our brand new podcast uh, with uh, Dr. Marwa, with Sister Jessica, and myself, Dr. Ray. We are so excited to bring this show to you all. We have so many different topics that we want to uh, to cover. We have so many interesting issues and interesting takes. We're really looking forward, Bidnilah, to uh, presenting you guys with a show that you're going to enjoy, that's going to be thought-provoking. And of course, first and foremost, beyond all of those things, is going to remind you of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, so I'll begin by just explaining why do we choose this name, uh, You Only Live Twice. And it's obviously based off of the idea that you only live once, meaning YOLO, you live one time, you only get this one chance to do whatever it is that you're going to do in this world, so just do it, right? Enjoy yourself, live your life, right? Live life on the edge. Whereas with you only live twice, what we want people to understand is actually, no, you're living this life because it's the only chance you get to live a life that you want to live in the life to come. And so it's reminding you, as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says about the people who are not obedient to him, who are sinful, who are heedless of Allah, that they will want to come back to this life. But you only get two. You get this life and you get the life to come. So what you do in this one, it matters so much, right? That's the first premise of the show, alhamdulillah. Uh, the second premise of the show, which... I'm hoping stirs up a lot of debate and we get a lot of reaction around is the idea that we're not just going to tackle, we're not going to do like the fiqh of women's wudu. You know, we're not going to cover these kinds of issues. Uh, we're not going to be like a super serious, you know, and a lot of our content is like that. We're not going to be a super serious show like that. What I want us to be able to do is to pick up you know, Islamic issues that are going on in our community. But then also I want us to look at like larger societal happenings and examine them from an Islamic lens. What uh, What is our life experience that we bring to the table? And so Alhamdulillah, I have my two guest hosts with me today. And uh, I'm so excited to work with you ladies. This has been a long time coming. So I want to thank you, first and foremost, for sticking with me and bringing this uh, to the point that we're at today. No, I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Um, you know, when you brought the idea to me about looking at modern day issues and things that are happening that people are already talking about, right? People are already having these discussions. And so um, to look to be able to have an opportunity to look at them from an Islamic perspective, I think is really important because we have a lot of youth and a lot of people who are making forming their own interpret well they're interpreting it right and not necessarily through a god-centered lens mm -hmm. and so that's really important to have and so i, I really i'm really happy to be here yeah i greatly appreciate mashallah alhamdulillah for being and having this opportunity to join um both mashallah great uh brother and sister that has been in the community um for so many years and when dr barack invited me to be one of the guest hosts to speak about regarding different life topics and including our Dean with it, how it has evolved with us as we grow in Islam, as we grow through our life, as we go step by step and we approach, you know, mental health issues that are not uh, talked about in our community, topics that are taboo. I told Dr. Barack, I remember meeting with him in Newark, a mosque and I was 
going, we were going down the list of different topics and, you know, as a convert for 20 years, topics that I really barely hear at mosques, um, topics that are mostly brushed underneath the, the carpet as you walk into a mosque or speak to a sheikh. And I was primed to a lot of those topics. Mm-hmm. Um, being a convert, and as as we go on with this show, we'll we'll get to know each other more and more. And I come in as the sister that comes in with life experience and back up with also mental health and how counseling works and how these topics need to come out in the air. It it comes with our dean and Yomil Kiyama will be hold accountable. Why do we help our brother and sister? And this is our way of helping our brothers and sisters in Islam. And may this be a blessing for them and an eye opening in topics that we're not able to discuss in, in spaces that are not allowed to, or it's a taboo, inshallah. Khair. Yes. And you mentioned something that was very important, Jesse, which is the idea that each of you has been handpicked, mm-hmm. <laughs> handpicked for your personality, for your wisdom, for your life experience, all of those things, alhamdulillah. And I, I believe that we gel well together, inshallah. We bring so many different elements that, that just make sense when you put them together. So I ultimately, I want people to, to look at our show and see our personalities. But I also want people to wonder, why are they talking about this, right? When they hear about the issues that we're talking about, I want people's automatic reaction to be like, why are you talking about that? You know what I mean? Oh, look at the Muslims, they're getting into this issue and that issue. In your opinions, Lee, I'm gonna start, we're gonna start with the first kind of topic of the day. In your opinions, why should we be talking about things that in general, in Muslim spaces, they see it as jahl. They see it as just ignorance. That's the ignorance of the kufar. That's their lives, how they're living. They're happy with it. Why should we be talking about those things on this show? Like I said, Yom Al-Qiyama, we're going to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. On the judgment day, we're going to be held accountable for our brothers and sisters. We're going to be held accountable regarding these topics. And things that we are not allowed to speak in spaces. And um, I believe this this is an eye-opening. And this is a show that will shock people, inshallah, because of our characters. We come from different backgrounds, different personalities, and different educational backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, we have a brother that's African-American, uh, Arab-American, and I'm Colombian-American. And we are what our ummah is. Yeah, I mean, um, I agree with what you're saying. I think there, we, we need to have spaces like this where we can discuss issues that are going on. I think one of the main reasons why this is so important is because people are already discussing these issues, yes. right? And then when someone comes to talk about it in a, let's say, spiritual space, religious space, uh, professional space, it's like, what are you talking about? This is jahiliya. But then they might go home and talk about it, right? And then not even talk about it within a context of like, what's the best way to look at this from an Islamic perspective? So <laughs> the issues are already being talked about, right? They're already being discussed. But I think there's a lot of harm when we don't, you know, look at things through that, you know, spiritual lens, through that God-centered lens. Because, you know, as we know from psychology, like you're always absorbing information. That's what the mind is doing, right? The mind is constantly collecting information and it's processing that information and it's interpreting that information and storing that information. And so with social media and having access to knowledge at the tip of our fingers, people are walking around with a lot of interpretations of things that are happening in our world that do not serve them spiritually, that do not serve them even mentally and emotionally. So I think that 
you know, having a space like this where we could break down certain issues that people are already talking about, the people that are impacting people with the intention of helping people ground themselves again back into their relationship with Allah, not to be taken so much by glorifying, you know, what's happening on social media or glorifying that lifestyle or glorifying, you know, a lot of the things that are being promoted in this, you know, social media influencing age, um, you know, where people are just like, oh, this feels good. Let's, let's go with it. Or, oh yeah, this couple is doing this on social media. Let's go with it. You know? And so people don't have anybody really like right now, a lot of like, they don't have these spaces where people are like, you know, that's not okay. <laughs> yeah. Subhanallah. Well, then people are afraid of saying that's not okay. And I think that's the world we live in right now. So Alhamdulillah. You, you know what you're what you're saying, it reminds me, and this is a little bit of a curveball. This is not a topic that we prepare for, mm -hmm. but I want to bring it up anyway, right? And mm -hmm. I want to hear your thoughts and opinions around this. There's a young sister who I talked to, and she's dealing with kind of college age issues and things that people are going through. And you know, we were just having a conversation about how much she's uh, growing emotionally and starting to mature, you know, as as a result of us, alhamdulillah, as a result of us. Like just kind of challenging the way that she thinks and the way that she looks at things. And so, and she was like giving me an example one day. She said, oh, you know, I really feel like I'm getting, you know, so much, you know, more mature and handling things from a wiser perspective. And she said, uh, yeah, I was talking to one of my girlfriends about the problem she was having with her boyfriend and I gave her some advice around it, right? And, I, and she said, and I gave her sound advice around this issue she was having with her boyfriend. And I honestly, you know, her girlfriend's a Muslim with a boyfriend. And so I said to her immediately, you did not give her sound advice. <laughs> you could, there's no advice that you could have given her except how to get out of the situation that would have been sound advice, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is just an example of how pervasive and how common the issues are that we want to tackle. This stuff is going on everywhere and we have to treat it like it actually exists and try to offer people perspectives. What do you what do you think about her sentiment and my response to her? I mean it shows how desensitized we we are, you know, and how um things are just so normalized now that honestly you probably saying that is now strange in our world. Yes is now the strange thing, right? It's like, it's like, it's the world has turned where it's like, now you saying, hey, that's not okay. Or this is, you know, it's like, you know, calm down, you know, like you're, you're being really like super strict right now. Like calm down. This isn't that serious. Like let just people be happy. That's the most important thing. And, you know, and so I think that, um, I think that like, saying that right now i have to say is like is like the brave thing to do i know it sounds like i know it sounds like a, a, a like really like i wasn't it's not that big of a deal but in our world today yeah like saying like you know simple things that and i feel like it's changed just over the last not even that long ago i feel like you know back when i was in college i mean these things were still like still like a normal thing yeah. to not be okay with and then, um, and not just this issue that you're talking about, like I'm talking about many issues right now that just maybe even like 10 years ago were, were still being addressed like as, no, these are serious issues. It could affect us. It could affect us spiritually. It could affect our own, it could affect our society. Like we looked at them with a more God-centered lens, just fast forward, just, you know, a few years. And it's like, 
so much desensitization, you know, yeah. and it, and it's not just within non-Muslim community, within the Muslim community. It's normal, right? And you'd be surprised uh, again over the years that it's not just it's not just the young people who just date each other, and no. they just accept it. Mm -hmm. Their parents encouraging that you know the, the parents want to know why are you putting on hijab? You know why don't you have a boyfriend? Why aren't you living this life and enjoy yourself? You're going to get married and settle down, and then it's going to be time to be very serious, right? And I think Mara hit it on the money. Um, we have been desensitized a lot. Yeah. Um, and I blame it all on social media and being acceptance to be accepted, to be okay, to be cool. Oh, she's doing it, he's doing it, the TikTok, the the Instagram reel, the you name it, the Snapchat, you know, it's it's because they see it, they're like, okay, accept it. And as soon as you say, Oh no, that's 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 haram, that's aib, that's aib, they right away they say, Oh no, 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 you're being too religious. Stop. You're being too religious. And it's like, um, yeah, well, that's our dean. Like, we're supposed <laughs> to follow our dean. And when you hit and you hear the whole, you're being too religious, that's where it should be more alarming for one. And you should ask yourself, you know, oh, I'm being religious. So I'm doing the good thing. I'm doing the mm -hmm. right thing. Mm -hmm. That's when you're supposed to like snap into that. Um, and no one's perfect. All of us, uh, we've we've hit, you know, we've gotten to that point. Like, oh wait, is that being too religious? And you question yourself, but that means you're you're heading into the right direction. You're you're going to the next level that you want to be spiritually. And it's you know, it's time for you to fall, but then you come back up higher and and stronger in your iman. Yeah. You know, can I actually uh, touch upon something really that she said, which is like the too religious comment because. <laughs> Um, not to go off topic, but like, you know, there's this, this, I wrote about this before because it really bothers me, this whole like, you know, judgment towards people who are trying to practice, you know, we've, for so long, we've always talked about the judgment towards, don't be judgmental towards people who are not practicing or towards people who are not religious or, you know, like, it's always like, don't judge me, don't judge me, don't judge me, which is, which is true. Like, you know, like we're all on our own path with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We're all on our own journeys. We're all just because you start practicing, you don't arrive at a place of perfection. You're everyone has their their areas and their of, of growth, right? Uh, of needed growth. But there's a double standard here because there's a lot of judgment towards religious people, <laughs> right? There's a lot of judgment. Like this, we're not we're not granted the same courtesy that like someone who's like let's say like someone is struggling to practice, right? Or someone is like, you know, uh, let's take the example of someone who's not wearing hijab, right? Don't judge, don't judge, don't judge, which I agree. You shouldn't judge because we don't know that person's heart and we don't, we're not God, right? Like we're not, that's not even our place period, whether you're religious or yeah. not religious. But then a sister is wearing hijab and let's say she's not perfect, which she'll never be. She will, we never will be. We will never She's be. being judged. It's like, oh, you're wearing hijab. You find her smoking a cigarette or something right. like that. Hugging yeah. a guy. And it's like, and then if yeah. you think about it, right, does anyone ever judge? Does ever does anyone ever say like, like there's more talk now about someone being too religious, more judgment now towards someone being too, too religious, too religious than someone being too like not practicing. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, it's like, oh, like someone could literally be about to fall off the edge from all the sins and all the things that they're doing. It's affecting them spiritually, mentally, and emotionally. And they never put two 
to that. You never, no one ever says, "Oh, you're too not religious." Or you're not. Yeah, that's why you're going through that. Yeah, right. Yeah, but then someone like starts praying sunnah, right? And like starts. They're like, sunnah. I'm just kidding. But sunnah is a little maybe extreme. But like, so it's like adding on more things to their life, right? That like, okay, I want to go to the masjid or I want to pray sunnah, whatever it is, right? That makes them in the eyes of the other person like, whoa, man, like. You're too religious now. You know, or the that, comment of like, oh, okay, Sheikha. Uh, yeah. Oh my God. That's like a common thing, especially like in, in Egyptian culture. It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Start, okay, Sheikha, no problem. Yeah. yeah. We have this uh, actually, we actually have this comment, which is, you know, Rabbi Al-Adawiyah? Yeah. yeah. She's like the, um, the great woman in Tasawwuf. You know, she was known. She had, she, in, 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 um, before she she converted, she was like living the complete opposite lifestyle, right? Um, Where she yes. was, also call her Rabbi Al Basri Al Basriya. Mm -hmm. She has a lot of quotes and um and a lot of like uh, you know poems about loving Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. She was just really yeah. immersed. So, anyways, because of her extreme shift, like before she was really she was like promiscuous and she was like just living a completely opposite life, right? And then she became like super religious and super in love with Allah. So when, that's like a phrase that people use when, in like in Egypt, like or in Egypt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Rabba, you know. Yeah. Like, Rabba. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Subhanallah. Honestly, you know, like I was saying, it for us will just continue, and people always have comments. Yeah, There's yeah. no one that's not going to com the commentary. You know, that the peanut gallery is going to be there. If you want to really call it that way, it's always going to be there. Um, it's finding inside of us that we could continue going uh, against the grain. You know what somebody said to me? You'll find this funny, Marwa. Uh, you're right here with you. I had a student at, I said, Marwa, you're at, you're at NYU. And so I had a student when I was there. Uh, you know, just like in the middle of a counseling session, she's like, you know, you're all right. You know, you're not like a strange kind of weirdo kind of guy. You're like, I feel like I can talk to you. And she said, I was so afraid to talk to you. And she said, do you know what we call people like you uh, at, at, uh, uh, at the uh, Islamic Center? She said, we call you beardies, you know, like really? stay away from the guys with the beards. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Oh, it's a, it's a, and so there is a divide. I think we need to bring this up as a topic, but they're very much, well, in another episode, but yeah. there, there very much is a divide between mm -hmm. those of us who are at least more outwardly have the appearance of being like more religious practicing, practicing and all of that kind of stuff. And so yeah. it, it's, it's very real. And, 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 you know, again, the hope is that this is a place where everyone can come and hear something that feeds their soul, that makes them question the way that they think, opens them up, or, or whatever it is. Uh, so with all that being said, I do want to transition. I want to bring up, this is the month of Ramadan, right? So we're going to start with Ramadan now. Then I'm going to get to the really juicy stuff in a, in a minute, inshallah. But one of, the, one of the things that we discussed talking about during our first episode was, you know, how to formulate goals during this month of Ramadan. And really, I think that I sent this issue over to you all to, to contemplate, you know, what are the elements of a good goal that make a, a, a Ramadan goal a good one, right? 
which is good. But really underneath that, here, here was what I was really trying to get at. Why do we struggle to meet our goals during Ramadan? What's, what's missing in the way that we approach the month? What's mm -hmm. missing in the way that we kind of plan and prepare spiritually and mentally and emotionally for it? And so I, I would like you to kind of have a mind on both of those issues. Number mm -hmm. one, what makes a goal a good goal? Then after that, how is it our failure to implement those things in creating our goals that kind of leads us to some of the struggles that we have? What are your thoughts? So the first thing is having set goals prior to Ramadan coming. <laughs> um, you know, I think That's in the what? world we're living in right now, <laughs> And I, I post COVID and everything, people trying to get adjusted to seeing people again. Um, some people wearing masks, some people not wearing masks. I think there is uh, a little bit of a notion of not being able to grasp idea that we're back to reality, I would say. Um, I think that's something people try to set a goal my idea has been my personal way of doing things um, prior to Ramadan is I set my calendar up and I make my intentions of making sure that around the time that I need to break my fast, I am 30 minutes away from where I could eat or 45 minutes that I could cook something to break my fast. Um, it's very difficult. Um, and I think it's difficult in the fact because we're going back to reality, going back to working a nine to five job in person. You're going back dealing with your children or your loved ones and family members or coworkers, I would say. And everyone has. Um, I have not up to now. And it's a little bit uh, off the topic, but have not heard one person that's gone back to work and said it's been a smooth transition. Mm. So between setting up your naya and your goals prior Ramadan, um, I think none of us have been prepared for something like that. I think this is a weird kind of odd year um, in that aspect. That's my opinion. Right. This is our first year back to normal. Yeah. Normal. Yeah. <laughs> in quotes. No, yeah. I think intentions is a really crucial piece um, because you know, we're so used to just being on cruise control and going through the motions that like we really like overlook this just small but huge beautifying factor of ev everything we do, which is our intentions. And, um, you know, when you sit and you, you, you connect to the intentions are the why, right? The why behind our actions, the why behind what we're about to do. And, and even though we know the why behind Ramadan, like, sitting and taking time, even if after Ramadan has, we're already in the second week, like it's never too late to do this, to sit and really like, okay. and really just sit with yourself and be like, okay, I am in the second week of Ramadan. I have 21 days left or 20 days, you know, so I'm estimating, um, but you know, whatever it is, like I have this amount of time left. What is my intention behind these next few days? Like how I want to approach these next few days? What am I seeking? And, you know, you know, other than like, we know that in, in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that, you know, fasting is, is a means to attaining taqwa, right? Attaining God consciousness, right? And so, you know, so this, these next few days are a means to me being more God conscious, being more, um, 
God-centered, you know, in a sense where like, I am, I'm really elevating myself to prioritize Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and give my heart what it needs. And so what, what, how can I approach these next few days in a way that will allow me to do that? You know, allow me to come out of this month saying, wow, my heart feels different. My heart feels lighter. It feels freer. It feels like it's closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It feels like I'm, I'm more aware of Allah throughout my day. And that's what intentions do. Intentions they root you in this, like they, they, they make you more present with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm -hmm. because you are now connected to the fact that as you are doing this and as you are living each day that Allah sees you, Allah hears you, Allah is with you, the angels are recording everything you do. And so it honestly, you know, I think it's the little things that matter. It's that taking that time before you're about to cook for your family and say, you know what, I'm going to attend this for Allah. It's like, you know what I mean? That like, I, I work, yeah, at the Home Institute, I work with students on this all the time. And one of the big things that they have to do is go through this, um, this lesson of like intentions, right? And learning how to set intentions for little things. And a lot of times in the beginning, they'll say, what do you mean? Like setting intentions for the little tiniest thing? I'm not used to this. Like, how do I set an intention for like, something small, like going to workers, you know what I mean? Like, you know, like, cause we're so on the go. And so like, it feels, it feels so strange. And then, you know, have them go back and just like train their hearts to do that. Like, okay, if you're about to cook for your family, about to go to work, if you're about to even clean your home, like little, the little tiniest things, like I'm about to, you know, and we have like a dot for everything. You go shopping, there's a dot for that, right? <laughs> market. Like, so there's, and so people get in their heads about that. And they like, they're like, what does that mean? Like, I'm, I'm going to set an intention. It's like, you look for a way to bring Allah into the equation. That's what I really believe yeah. intentions are. To perform a way yeah. to center what you're about to do around Allah. And you connect yourself that to Allah seeing you as you're doing it, you know? So, and they come back and they're like, I never knew that I could feel like, I could like take my one little action that I do all the time and feel different about it. And that's what intentions does. So to, to wrap up, like this question is just, you know, my answer to this question is that, you know, you, you look for the little moments every day, the little moments where you can set an intention for Allah, like so that you can reap the rewards, but you're training your mind and heart to center yourself around Allah. So listen, I want to tell you, uh, I'll tell you a, a quick thing that was part of the reason why I brought up this issue. I talked to a sister just the other day and, and I was surprised. Alhamdulillah, I feel like my Ramadan has been going very well. And I feel like for a lot of people, I've been hearing that more than usual. And I think that, that, that for just this makes me think about what you said about like getting back to normal. Everybody that I've been talking to, I think we're having a great Ramadan. It's probably our first time back, like having like for real, being back in the masjid. And so it feels like Ramadan. It's like an old feeling that has come back to you. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I was shocked when the sister said to me, you, because I've been hearing this many years before the pandemic about people just kind of not feeling Ramadan. You know, mm -hmm. I've been hearing it a lot. And so... The sister, this time she says, you know, I just don't have that Ramadan feeling. And it was very strong in the beginning. But now at this point, it's just, I, I don't know the feelings leaving me. And, but she started to explain. She said, maybe it's because, you know, I'm I'm on my menses. It's, uh, I'm not going to the masjid. I'm not praying. I'm not yeah. doing those things. And the other elements of my routine are also broken. Because 
I would pray Fajr, I would do this after Fajr, and then, you know what I mean? Like my day was structured a certain way that like like dominoes, once one is kind of knocked over, the all the rest of them get knocked over. And I, I did not say this to her. I was not about to say this to her. But in my mind, I'm thinking like, wait, didn't you know that you were going to have your period during Ramadan? You know, like, mm-hmm. how did you not? And I was, again, I was not going to say this to her. But like, how did you not prepare for that? How did you not think to yourself, okay, what do I need to do? And during this time where I'm not going to be fasting, because inevitably, most women, there is a period during the month of Ramadan that you won't be fasting. It happens every year. <laughs> to prepare for it at this point, you know, in my mind, I'm like, you know, like, yeah, is this, you know, you've been doing this for quite a while. But I think that I think that again, it goes back to what both of you were saying. Some of this, it, it's and it's not, it's not that people are operating just heedlessly and they're walking around Madonna and don't care, you know, willy nilly into the month. It's just I think that sometimes it just gets easy to overlook. So part of it is that living with that intentionality, going into the month with the intentionality. And, you know, believe it or not, that's not all I took away from what the sisters said. What what I also started to think about was for brothers and sisters who find themselves in a situation. Because the one thing in Ramadan, we enter into Ramadan, most of us, with a lot of like excitement and we're looking forward to it. And we got our plan. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. And none of us prepare to fail. Yeah. But inevitably, all of us, myself included, fail. Whose Ramadan is ever how they want it to be? Um, no one. <laughs> nope. And that's where you come with you plan, I plan. But Allah's the best of planners. Yes. And and so then what do we do when our our Ramadan it gets derailed or we fall off the track? Or missing one night of Tarawih turns into two. Two turns into three. Three turns into, well, I missed this many, you know, and and then how do you get back on the ball? One night of not reading Quran turns into two and so on and so on and so on. How do we get ourselves back on the ball? I think what you ladies said is very, very important. And the only element of that I think is 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 also missing from a lot of people's plans is what do I do when it all starts to come apart? Day six, day five, day 10, day 17, when it's the wheels start to shake on me, what's my plan to get back into? What do I say to myself to, to get myself to go back to total I think that this is, very similar to, I mean, it's the psychology of the human being, right? It's yeah. this, is, this is where our psychology plays a role in our spiritual experience. Like people are the same exact way with working out or fitness. For example, I, I just did a, um, a session with a client recently and they were saying like, you know, I'll work out for a couple of weeks and I'll get really like, I'll feel really good and I'll incorporate that into my lifestyle. And then and then I'll miss a few days, I'll miss a day or two, and it turns up into me missing a couple months. Mm-hmm. So what happens there is that there is this, this interpretation of not being perfect and this all or nothing mentality that people carry into their spiritual experience. For a lot of people, we have this all or nothing perfectionist mindset where a perfect Ramadan looks like this, a perfect uh, fitness regimen looks like this, right? Like I have to be at the gym this, um, this amount of days. And then the second that something falls off that perfect rigid definition we set for ourselves, we just, we throw in the towel. 
And that's what happens. It's no different when it comes to our spiritual path with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even in Ramadan and outside of Ramadan. I hear all the time people will tell me like, you know, I'll I'll pray and I'll be on time with my prayers and I'll be good. And then I miss a prayer. I miss two prayers. And then I find myself, I miss that whole week. Mm-hmm. And it's it's this. So what, what emotion comes up there? It's shame, right? Yeah. Shame, it's this, uh, you know, feeling of like, I, I messed up. I'm like, I'm like, you know, the people don't want to face that emotion of like, and it's, and why? Because they associated not being perfect with like something regarding their worth and regarding how they feel about themselves. And I think here, this is where we really have to tap into Allah's compassion for us, which I know, like, I know it's easier said than done. Um, Like I always think of like, when it comes to this example of the period, like, you know, we judge ourselves for things Allah never judged us for. Mm-hmm. And in fact, in that moment, I'm sure Allah Allah knows about women's hormones during that month. Like, <laughs> hormones affect your emotional state. They affect so much. They affect you, you know, how you feel. You might not be as energetic to do certain things. Doesn't Allah not know that? <laughs> of course he does. So he's going to take that into account. He's only going to judge you based on, you know, like this is another thing a lot of people don't understand when it comes to periods. It's not just that you can't pray. It's that sometimes you have physical cramps, you have physical pain. You have, you have, you know, a lot of people depending on, you know, their, when they get their, you know, their PMS, you know, it's like sometimes a lot of times people don't feel themselves. A lot of women don't feel themselves at different, at different times in their period. And sometimes the entire period, I just, I saw this um, Instagram video recently where the guy was like, you know, my girlfriend told me that, the week before her period, she's PMSing and she's <laughs> during her period, she's cramping. And then after her period, she's really emotional. So she only gets one week, one week <laughs> in the month. He's like, is that what you women deal with? You guys only get one week where you're okay. And you should see the comments. All the women are like, yeah, I only really get one week where I feel like myself. So you're right. Our biggest judge is ourselves. Yeah. We as human beings, we have so much high expectations. And I think I, again, I really blame it a lot on social media because they paint a perfect picture in these perfect couples that they post on Instagram, the perfect image of a woman's body, a perfect Ramadan, a perfect way of like women should be uh, completely in ibadah, they yeah. shouldn't be cranky. You should be alhamdulillah, you know, be thankful. You're you're having a week <laughs> off from your period. Um, you don't have to fast or make it up. It's do. like these expectations, right? These expectations that you like really associate with social media picture perfect. Yeah. And then these images that are really put in our heads, because people, if you really look at the uh, your phone. You could tell the amount of hours people are on social media is ridiculous. So you put yourself in that perspective. We're in a generation that we are trying to change or make them evaluate where they stand. And like you were saying, Dr. Marwa, it's, it's you, you have this self-judgment yeah. very high that you're looking at other people's perspective views of their life, thinking it's perfect. And it's not, yeah. you're not perfect. I'm not perfect. No one is perfect. The same struggle you're going through, I'm probably going through the same one. 
We're just not talking about it. We're just not putting it on social media. We're putting a picture of us just standing next to a lake thinking we're peaceful there. <laughs> and not knowing we're ready to like go hit him of like how we're going to deal with things at home. That I just had a fight with my fiance, that I just had a fight with my mother, that I just had a fight with my my little daughter because she didn't want to go with me to Tarawih and I have to stay home because her father, my you know, was saying, stay home with the, you don't have to go to Tarawih. You, 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 women don't have to go, <laughs> just stay home. And it's like, geez, like you really go through these, these traumatic moments in life and people are so highly judgmental upon your own self and yeah. upon other people that you love as well. Having high expectations, not understanding that we're not perfect. We aren't perfect. Yeah. And this is, we're going through the motions, like you're saying, we're, we're going through these motions. And during Ramadan, this is the moment that is for us to try to, what can we achieve during Ramadan? Going back to the second question that uh, Dr. Barak was saying, you know, what do you want to achieve and how are we achieving that? Are we trying to stay to our prayers during Ramadan? I'm going to be honest with you for a sister, a woman. It's kind of difficult. We have that intermediate of like that, our menses that come in and then we fall back off and we go back on again, trying to get on work, waking up at Fajr time. I think Allah has gave us just enough of what we could handle. And I think we need to really hammer that into people's heads. Can I ask a question real quick? Mara, you share your thought. I, my question is going to derail us. You share, you share your thought and then I'm going to derail the whole conversation. I was uh -oh. just going to say, you know, it's interesting, but don't forget your, it seems like a good question. So don't forget. <laughs> um, you know, I was just thinking about what you were saying, Jessica, like, you know, how you were saying, like you, we finish our, our, our period. And then we're like getting back to like praying Fajr and like feeling like we've been so disconnected, but you know, it, this goes back to the all or nothing mentality too, where it's like, we're either like we don't have our periods and we're praying and we feel so connected. And then we, we have our periods and we're completely disconnected. But Aisha, she got her period during Hajj, right? And do you think like, my point is, is that I think we also, we have to take the, the role that we play as well into this, right? It's that period doesn't equal complete disconnect. It's not an all or nothing. Subhanallah, right? yep. And, and honestly, like sometimes just like taking that, th those days to just focus on dhikr, you know, or like without, it also feels like such a rahmah from Allah, like that, wow, I can be connected to you through dhikr and I can remember you. And I, and it's and not necessarily that I have this added, like, you know, of, of getting up to pray. Not that it's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just like you, you start to enjoy whatever Allah gives you. Not to say that like, doesn't make you like, oh my God, that you think prayer is like an obligation or like a responsibility or duty, but it's like, Oh, Allah gave me this period where I, I don't have to like, you know, cause it is a responsibility. It's a responsibility that's beautiful and it's amazing. And it's like, it brings so much goodness to the human being. But at the same time, like when Allah gives you the opportunity to just connect with him through dhikr too, or like through, you know, reading something or, or increasing in our knowledge, like it's just, that we have this all or nothing mentality. So not having our period shouldn't mean complete disconnect as well. Are we ready? Your question, yeah. Dr. Brown. Yeah. <laughs> How do y'all feel when you, cause you know, we, we are all helpers in the community. We have the people with their issues and the concerns that come up for them. And maybe I'm just projecting, you might not have any experience with this, but how do you feel? Cause this goes back to what Jessica said about social media. How do you feel when you're on social media and you see the posts of the people who you know that they were having a, like their life was like a four alarm fire. 
that same day and they're posting like these pictures of them like again at a lake serene walking down the shoreline you know and they have all of these things and and but you know what they were going through in 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 that moment right like just even earlier that that day what kinds of thoughts run through your mind and maybe i'm asking this question so i can share what thoughts are going through my mind well, it depends on the caption. I mean, they can yeah. be posting a picture with the lake and it's perfect, but they're saying like talking about their struggle. But you're talking about somebody who like is not is completely not talking about their struggle. They're just Correct. posting perfection, right? Yeah. Yes. Um, you know, for me, you know what they say, like when you're when you when you're in psychology, you don't really like things are not so bizarre to you because you understand why people doing <laughs> do it. So it's like you understand that, you know, in that moment, people are looking to escape, you yes. know. And you know, that's what people do a lot of times if they're not doing the work on themselves, if they're not, if they're not, you know, understanding their own emotions is that they go to escape. And we know from social media is that it actually gives you a little bit of a high, right? Like mm -hmm. every time you post something, you get a click, you get a like, you get, you know what I mean? It does, it does affect you. It, like it's, you know, it, it gives you, what is the, what is the, I think it's oxytocin. Dopamine, right? Like every yep. time they, every time people like your stuff, like you get a dopamine rush, right? Yeah. yeah. So it is, it is, it is kind of like a drug, you know? And so people, and, and, and I ask people to even ask, check, you know, check, check in with themselves when you're about to go post something. Isn't there a certain level of like a little bit of like excitement, you know, maybe <laughs> for everybody it's a little bit different, right? Where you're like, okay, I posted, okay. You know, like, I'm like, let's see what happens now, you know, and people are looking to escape, right? People are looking to escape. So you understand the psychology behind it, but, um, yeah, and so accepting like, hmm? and being accepted. Yeah. And being what? Accepted. accepted. Yeah. Yeah. Like from, by the, by like social media, you mean? Yeah. yeah. I by mean, the people like, who are, are looking at it and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I got accepted. They like it. Oh, oh wow. Look, yeah, yeah. And then they focus on that. And then they don't focus now on the issue. They're like, they, they're just like, they escape. They escape to get some kind of feeling good and and, and an illusion of connection. Yes. So a lot of, and, and this is a really big issue. We could touch upon this a different time because it's a really deep issue that I hope we address is that people are more isolated than ever. Yes. And yes. when people are struggling, they look for connection. And Sometimes the fastest way to get that is through social media, because, you know, you mentioned beautiful examples of like things that we could do. People showing up for each other, people asking a sister if she needs a ride, you know, people checking in on that that person who that brother who is alone in Ramadan, like real real life actions we could take. They're lesser and lesser nowadays. People let me know if you need anything. That's yeah. <laughs> You let me know. Yeah. Like, I'm going to really open up to Marwa. Hey, Marwa, you know what? I, I don't feel like cooking today. Can you make food for me? Yeah, for, you let me can, know, Jessica. Can I come to me. your house to eat iftar? Like, I'm yeah. going to go and say, hey, Marwa, can I come exactly. over? Exactly. People, and especially, I really believe this whole COVID thing even changed more people to be more isolated. People got more comfortable in their safe space zone. Like their mm -hmm. space of being home, it's like okay, and I'm I'm guilty of it. I'm mm -hmm. gonna tell you, I'm guilty of it. As soon as we started getting this whole going back out and talking to people and going back to the masjid and having this contract or going there and meeting up with my clients now anymore virtually now meeting them in my office, I just I I got a little bit of a shock. 
And I was like, oh, okay, I, I have to see people. I have to interact <laughs> and speak to them. Interact. And and like physically. And mm-hmm. I'm I'm being honest. I'm being real. Yeah. I'm I'm yeah. being very real and honest with you. And going to the masjid again during Tarawih and stuff, like, oh, people are standing next to me and oh, they're not wearing masks. Another a little bit off. <laughs> Another thing is when you're watching something in TV and you're like, oh, they're not wearing, they're not a, wearing mask. a mask. Yeah, I do that all the time. Our minds are amazing. Our minds are amazing. Our minds are amazing. The wiring of our brains, subhanAllah, subhanAllah, like really. Can can I say this? I, I want to I wanna mention, I was listening to your comments about people escaping into social media. And you know, you know, one of the things that I try to think of, it's easy to say, oh, look at this person, you know, like they're already faking a funk, you know what I mean? And they just capping online or whatever the situation is. And But I did not, I, I remind myself, everybody deserves a, a moment of normalcy too. You know what I mean? And I try to remind myself of that. You know, our lives are very much like that, too, that they're a little bit of roller coasters. Right. Like I do. I did. I did have a serene time walking along the beach or, you know, Mm -hmm. a nice ride or whatever it was. You know what I'm saying? You know, the, the picture I showed you, you know, with my wife, you know, at lunch was five minutes before we had a knockdown drag out. Fight, you know, why I said her mother's no good, and you know what I mean? Like, so both of those moments actually really did happen sitting right um, next to each other, yeah. Yes, right? yes. we take so, a selfie, take a selfie, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's a reminder, and I guess I, the, the reason I asked that, I asked that question and bring up that issue, and then we're going to get into our last topic for today, inshallah. We we do need to let our lives be complicated where we don't where we don't feel like our lives are only suffering, and then in the moments that we post that are good, uh, we feel like we're faking it, right? Like, no, I think all if that's all you're doing and you're not giving any credence to the reality that life has ups and downs, then then you have a real problem. But we should be able to kind of like get away. We do need an escape from that moment. Now it shouldn't be all of our escapes, right? And it shouldn't be yeah. the only place that we go to escape. But the reality of it is is that we those moments are valuable too those social media moments are, are valuable too but then you got obviously you got to get off of it and go like live a happy healthy productive life right and i'm 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 just as guilty of it too you know mm-hmm. i have you know i scroll and i'm like why am i why am i opening it and i just close it instagram i open yeah. it and close it like why you Why like you catch yourself in a loop, right? Like you're like, what? I was just here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> nothing new is going to be here. There's not, I'm not going to get any more likes. Like this is not what. Why do I even do this, right? Yeah. Okay, so we're going to get into our last topic. So we don't have time, but we are going to start with next next week when we start inshallah. I want to start with the Will Smith situation. Okay. Right. I want to start with the Will Smith situation, and I want to introduce an idea. Marwa and I we talked about this. And so I want to introduce it into into our discussion now for you to start to think about. Uh, Bill Maher was commenting on Will Smith's situation, right? And I liked one of the things that he said, because we all look at it like this. I think from a man's perspective, we look at it like this. I think that Will Smith's wife, it seems like there's a lot of toxicity there in their situation. I think a lot of my thoughts are criticisms around how they're handling the issues that go on in their marriage, Bill Bill Maher he brought up the he brought up a term because he said toxic femininity needs to be a real thing, right? Yeah. We need to have talked about more. 
Yes, because it is a real thing. There is a such thing. And I think that it's, it's fashionable now to talk about toxic masculinity. Right. Right. And men it's have happening. earned a lot of that. Yeah. But I want us to talk about, like, what do we see from how he's reacting to her? At least what's apparent. We don't know what's in their relationship. We're not trying to scrutinize it to that degree. We're using it as fodder to create a conversation in the show, right? Okay. For all of our commenters out there. Yeah. You don't know what's going on. Right? So I want to leave you ladies with that, inshallah. Bidnila will come back next week. Uh, thank you all for our first uh, episode for tuning in. Uh, I hope you enjoyed yourselves, inshallah. We're going to continue to cover so many different issues and, and uh, we're going to continue to have fun, Bidnila. So until next time, ladies, inshallah, we'll talk to each other soon. We'll see you all on the other side. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.